From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop Turtle Creek Village, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble, coming to you live, still basking in the glow of one of the most amazing events I've ever seen, and also the glow of my fabulous, fabulous co-host, he, of course, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. Yeah, I think we're all still glowing. I think I'll be glowing probably for the rest of my life <laughs> based on the world champion Texas Rangers. But um, good afternoon or morning or we never know Whatever what time it is, but hello. But we're working. We're here to serve. We are working. I can tell you that. That's right. And I'll tell you what, the Rangers had it working in the World Series. The Texas Rangers are the World Series champions, Sean Williams. It's a day I never – I honestly kind of thought that we just missed the boat. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit after the heartbreak of 2011. I kind of just bowed out a little bit, and I think you kind of did too. But, again, we did get in early on spring training, and so – and it paid dividends. You I, – I think you're the good luck charm for the Rangers, Sean. So, thanks. Everybody – Let's give it a round of applause for Sean Williams. You know, I'll take that. Judge and I went out and, you know, I, you know, I've been talking to Judge. I was like, hey, you know, maybe we can take a trip you know, around the March time frame where you think would be a good place to go. She's like, maybe spring training camp. So it was her. <laughs> maybe spring training wow. camp for 2024. Spring camp. Yeah, spring training camp for 2024. <laughs> she was reluctant in 2023. Hey, I, I kind of had to sell her on Surprise Arizona. It's on my bucket list. You know, now who's playing and where do they play? <laughs> so I had to explain it to her. Uh, but, you know, once we kind of threw Sedona in the mix, it kind of all worked out. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, thank you. And, man, the judge is ready for to go for the back-to-back titles, back sounds like. I'm, I'm, I'm selling, but I'm not having to sell as hard as I did last <laughs> year. Man, well, that is awesome. What what a series, too. You know, um, it, it was everything was just clicking, you know. Uh, game one, Adolis Garcia hits the walk off. You know, I was a little nervous that game one was a little nerve wracking. Yes. And then game two was not as much fun to watch. But man, you go on the road, you go three games straight in Phoenix, taking a tough Diamondback squad. I mean, they're scrappy, man. They got a good young core. That is a good team, too. It reminded me a little bit of 2010 when the Rangers made their first run, World Series run. It was kind of like we were all just glad to be there. Yes. They beat the Yankees. But another 4-1 series where it was kind of like, you know, well, this was fun. But to be on the other side of it, (laughs) it was awesome this time because the, the Rangers did, like you said, after game two, they seem to be a team in control and through the whole playoffs. Sorry to get like super technical on sports here, but once the bullpen was rolling, <laughs> yes. once they got, you know, spores and they got LeClerc rolling and figured out that Chapman really probably doesn't need to be in high pressure situation. <laughs> I mean, it was on for, for, for my, my sake and your sake, he doesn't need to be in those top, top high pressure positions. Well, I got to a point where like I, my old boss, Mike Cooper, and, uh, you know, I even wrote a LinkedIn about it back in the day. All the things I learned from Mike Cooper. I was texting with him during one game, and, and we were in the same boat. It was like, I can't watch when the Rangers are pitching. <laughs> and a couple of times, like, it got to a point where I could not yes. watch when the Rangers were in the field because it just got – but 
again during the Arizona series, they were. I mean, Montgomery was really good, obviously, but Ibadi was dealing, man. Man, spores, unbelievable. I mean, what a what a what a run. I mean, seeing them, you know, throwing the gloves up in the air, or I guess spores. He spiked his into the the mound, but man, I mean, just a sight. I never, never. I'd always dreamed about it. It was just. A, it was all the dream. It was ever going to happen. I used to work reword a magazine, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, but you know, we went to Dick's Sporting Goods that night. You know, we were just riding on the high, and I mean, we we could get in because the line was long. I was like, man, it's not bad, but it was wrapped around the entire store. It seemed to be. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be, you know, just everybody had the same idea that night. But shout out to my mother-in-law, Daisy Torres, who got us World Series championship hats Imp- that look super good. Impressive. You know, down in the corner by the uh, grocery store that's no longer there by our house, Sean, there is a uh, gentleman who's pulled up with the <laughs> T-shirts, $10, I bet. You know, spray painted on the sheet. And so my Tabitha was like, Daddy? Is that man selling T-shirts? On- <laughs> I said yes, honey. It's a big day. It's so- been a while, though, right? I mean, you know, there was during the Cowboys run, which yes. you probably were not here. I was, for I was yet. Uh, You're on your way. There, yes, but not here yet. You know, they would always have a one of those pop up on every corner. Even when the stars won, they popped up. You know. But man, we've had a little bit of a of a drought. Been a little dry spell since for the, the Mavs. I know. And you know the T-shirt people aren't doing great. That's right. Poor, uh, you know, aftermarket knockoff T-shirt guys. <laughs> we're we're sending one up for you. But man, what just awesome, awesome, awesome experience to see the Rangers win. So, and, and sorry to all the listeners because we know that there's a segment who does not like the the sports angle, but too bad on this one. Like you're, yeah. you're just gonna get have to get this. I'll tell you what though, you know, it's so interesting. I was with um I was down at Four Oak Cliff the other day and they've got a baseball field mm-hmm. that um you know I was talking to talking to Taylor about it and he was like, I don't know. People may be interested in the Rangers. Maybe we can get this uh baseball field get you know, going. polished up and get get some games out here. So I think baseball fever has caught on in Dallas, Texas, Sean. People love a winner. And, you know, when the Rangers were winning before, it was – by the way, shout-out to Ron Washington, who got a new manager's gig <laughs> in in um, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yes. He'll be taking his talents to the West Coast. Yes. And, you know, that's great for him because he, he kind of kicked this thing off, you know, when he was here with the Rangers and – Glad he's getting a chance. So if anyone listening to Deconstructing Dallas wants to let Ron Washington know, let him know that Ryan and Sean said congratulations. That's right. Throw up a claw, throw up an antler, <laughs> and uh, tell our guy Ron we're thinking of. Well, now that we got that out of the way, That's um, for- what's, what's, what do we got coming up next? Man, we've got a great guest today, Sean. Um, we had our friend Jennifer Scripps in studio with us. She, of course, the CEO and president of Downtown Dallas, Inc., Really, really great conversation, Sean. Well, I'm you know really looking forward to it because I worked with her on the Dallas Education Foundation board. Currently, previously worked with her, uh, or kind of our paths were kind of crossing at the city of Dallas, but did get a chance even in this role to work with her on a few projects at the city of Dallas and her previous work there. So I can't wait to to for this interview. Yeah, let's let's jump in. I'm excited too, Sean. So. Uh, 
Stick with us. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be back after the break. back deconstructing dallas ryan trimble sean williams sean super duper fired up today we have a great guest sitting in the ellen media worldwide headquarters studios with us wow that's right she of course jennifer scripps the president and ceo of downtown dallas inc jennifer welcome i'm so glad to be here we are so excited to have you um you know we have followed your career through oac and now your time at um uh, downtown Dallas. And so thanks for squeezing us in, making time for us. I'm thrilled to be here. Your studio is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes. It's all Carol. <laughs> um, okay. So now, you know, Sean and I have gotten to know you uh, throughout your career, but for our listeners who don't know you, yeah. can you tell us about yourself, your background and where you're from? Sure. I am Dallas native, born and raised. Wow. I'm actually one of those unique people. I feel like I don't meet a lot of people. My dad grew up in Dallas. He was one of six wow. kids. So lots of aunts and uncles. Very yeah. And uh, went to Ursuline. I uh, went to Preston Hall Elementary in Franklin before that. So kind of deep roots in that area. Um, I was a consultant after college, kind of the standard yeah. thing. And then really got into the civic space, which is where I've kind of been ever since by working at, with the Perot Museum when it was the Natural History Museum in Fair Park. Started there um, after I did consulting and uh, went off to business school and did some other things and got the call that they had bought the land. Uh, and I was like, where? And they're going Field Street by 30, you know, Woodall Rogers, where? And at the time, they would just go across the street from the old El Phoenix. And I'd go, oh, where that is, because <laughs> right. there was nothing else. Okay. There was no Hunt Building. There was no, no Clyde Warren. Um, but I was really lucky to work on that project uh, through opening and stayed on for a couple of years and ran all of their anything paid memberships, mm-hmm. retail, parking, theater, events, the whole earned income side, which was going gangbusters. Yeah. And then um, in 2016, I joined the city of Dallas. And of course, I was like, you know, you know, I, I'm too impatient. You know what? And they were like, no, this is going to be really exciting. And I loved working at the city. Great, great colleagues. But we were dealing with things like, you know, the AT&T Performing Arts Center was in debt. Uh, we did the first cultural plan for Dallas. Um, we removed some statues that needed to be removed. <laughs> we handed the Meyerson back to the symphony. Um, to get to do that job in my hometown was just a blast. And I had actually kind of grown up in downtown with Courtney Garrett, who was previous yeah. at DDI. We had both been in the same leadership Dallas class. Wow. And she was second to DDI and I was kind of second on the Perot project. We kind of watched each other grow up and we had lunch and I didn't know she, we, we talked a lot about Denver. At the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and a few weeks later, she announced she was going to Denver. Yeah. And so one thing led to another and I started with DDI in April of 2022. So I remember as I was kind of transitioning out of the city, you were mm-hmm. transitioning in you um, made such a difference when the, in the Office of Arts and Culture. And so I, I do want to get your perspective on where we are now as a city with arts, mm-hmm. 
even some of maybe the misconceptions that people uh, have about Dallas as an art city? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like arts groups across the country, the pandemic, if you think of an industry that wants to bring people together in closed spaces, um, you know, it was already challenged with thanks to Netflix. So you right. think about the entertainment we can just bring into our home or carry on our phone. Um, but the, co- the COVID pandemic really did uniquely affect touring shows, uh, theater unions. It, it was uh, going to be a challenge. Um, but I also will say there's some really good building blocks for the Dallas arts. We have tremendous facilities. Now we need more small arts facilities and more neighborhoods. I used to live by White Rock Lake. I wish I had a bathhouse or we had a, I had a bathhouse. I wish we had a bathhouse, <laughs> cultural center in every single neighborhood. And so we need, we do need to nurture you know, it's like it's like dining. You want your local taco shop, barbecue place, but you also want your fine dining. I'm going to go to the opera and the symphony and the museum. Right. Yeah. And we need to we need to support the whole ecosystem. Our philanthropic community, though, is so strong, and I do think um, we have it in a tremendous creative class. And to the extent that we can continue, like any other industry, to attract talent, mm-hmm. good places to live, places people want to raise a family. <laughs> Artists are no different. Right. They're no different than workers at a bank or an attorney or, you know, uh, they're not unique. They need health insurance. They need affordable housing and good transit. So I always was like, they're they're not special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want the same good things yeah. um, that, that we need. And we need a culture, which I think Dallas is, we're diversifying and becoming a truly global city that recognizes all, all arts forms, video arts, you know, art from the African-American diaspora, Latinx, and really Dallas is leading on some of that, which is great. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, an- another thing where um, Dallas is leading, you know, I get the pleasure of uh, running our con- conservation practice here at the firm. And I feel like uh, Dallas is in a parks renaissance of yes. sorts. Now in downtown, we've had Carpenter Park come online mm-hmm. last year. And then a few weeks ago, I guess, a few months ago, yeah, yeah, Harwood Park comes online. So how have these parks and other parks changed downtown? Oh, tremendously. And and really, when you look at it's been fun being in our 65th year, you look at all these aerial pictures and it was just office buildings and parking <laughs> lots, office buildings and parking lots. Yeah. And um, I remember when Main Street Garden was mm-hmm. built. And what was interesting is you had the old city hall falling apart next to it. You had the old Statler Hotel. I think it was called like the Grand Hotel. Then I mean, it was yep bad. Um, There was an old department store that's now a Montessori school in UNT. And so I look at that one park and I think it came in line around 2010 or 11 in one, a little over 10 years, just what it has done around that park. So kind of take that and and magnify that, Um, you know, Pacific Plaza Park came online when I worked at the Majestic and just what it did to be able to step out and be like, let's go have that meeting outside. Let's walk and get a cup of coffee and be, you know, back out of our sterile offices was such a a blessing. And then you would see everybody walking their dogs, tourists leaving the Sheraton Hotel. Um, So what it has done to help us become a multi-use downtown. So we're not a downtown Mm -hmm. anymore where, hey, you arrive about 839 and you are leaving as fast as you can at 530. We have almost 15,000 residents. Where are you going to walk your dog? Where are you going to go play with your kids or your grandkids? Um, You have to have these social spaces. And I do think as human beings, we need them. Like if I go to other cities, where do you go in Chicago? Millennial Park. Where do you go in New York? Bryant Park. Dallas has to have these spaces to say, look, this is our community. You know, grab a cup of coffee and join us. Harwood Park is, by the way, if people haven't been, I I think it's been this surprise because it was kind of tucked back there behind these little buildings, right? Yeah. And there's the construction side. And 
I would even struggle. Harwood's not a street that people go, wait, where, you uh, know, cause they know it up by the DMA or Clyde Warren. Right. I'm like, you just, that, that street goes into downtown. In fact, it goes all the way through downtown. Right. Um, and we, we had friends in town from Virginia a couple of weeks after it opened and we had brunch at the farmer's market and walked up past rubles, all the beautiful townhouses. And I mean, they were blown away. Um, what it's done for First Presbyterian Church, an institution that, you know, they've been there a hundred years yeah. or so. They're like, this is what we always hope for. Um, it's fabulous. So we'll talk a little bit more about downtown Dallas Inc. in the second um, <laughs> half of our interview. But I, I do want to just look back. You really uh, describe kind of what Dallas downtown used to be. You come <laughs> in and go to work and you head out. You know, I moved 25 years ago to Dallas and like, Schlossky's, which I love Schlossky's. I love Schlossky's. Literally the only place to eat downtown. Do you get tired of it? It's the only place to eat, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what what do you think has made the biggest difference uh, kind of from over the last, you know, like I said, 25 years probably uh, from where Dallas was downtown Mm -hmm. to now where we're seeing it today? Yeah, no, I think about that a lot. Um, In fact, the holiday parade is coming up. And when I was a kid in Dallas, we would come down maybe twice or three times a year. And one of them was the holiday parade. And we'd be like, where are we? You know? uh, I think in the early 2000s, there were only a couple of hundred residents. And we were really lucky to have some visionary developers that took our older buildings. Mm-hmm. At one point, people have said 35, 40 non-contributing um, office buildings. The Magnolia Hotel is one. So they did all become residents. Mm-hmm. Some of them, maybe ho- residences, some of them became hotels. Uh, the old power and gas buildings, Lone Star Gas. And they started converting them into residences that have a lot of character. And we started to get critical mass. Well, what that does is that allows restaurants to stay open at night. Mm -hmm. I do think the Arts District made a tremendous difference. I do think things like Clyde Warren and um, the other parks, Main Street Garden was the first one, really started to say, gosh, there's more to do here than, um, than just come to work. And we're giving you a reason to stay. I give mad props to AT&T, what they did with their corporate campus. I mean, I used to cut through that all the time and back to, okay, you can go to work Mm -hmm. and people were going to work there and they, all they were doing outside was smoking cigarettes, right? Right. And like (laughs) waiting for the bus, you know, and to take a corporate campus and literally combine the street so that you get a plaza, add food and dining, green space. I mean, I, one night, I don't really follow the stars very much. I just was down there at another DDI event and I came around the corner and it was a stars watch party for the playoffs. And they had something like five or 6,000 people. It was a beautiful spring night, all ages, all backgrounds, just having the time of their life. And I was like, this is amazing. And I think people don't realize that that's happening all the time now in downtown, mm-hmm. those kinds of exciting, but really kind of natural and organic urban happenings yeah. are things that we can only offer in downtown. So it's been a combination of things. That's a long-winded answer, Sean, sorry. Um, of trying to get complete neighborhoods um, and and letting people um, move to the center city. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We are with Jennifer Scripps, President and CEO of Downtown Dallas, Inc. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what that is and what DDI does and how they help our city. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, sitting down with the great Jennifer Scripps, oh, the president and CEO of Downtown Dallas, Inc. Uh, now, Jennifer, I wanted to see if you could share with our listeners just what exactly is Downtown Dallas, Inc. and what it is and what you do. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with what we are. Okay. For 65 years, we have been the chief advocate, champion, and steward of the downtown urban core, which are big words, which means we are like an amped up, ready to go, seven days a week, neighborhood association for downtown Dallas. We run the seven day a week PID, public, public improvement district, which has our security team, our clean team. If you've seen the folks in the green polos, sure. all of our power washing oh. trucks, um, we now have a five-person homeless outreach team. And then this past year, we launched an ambassador program. Think of them as the welcome wagon to downtown. Yeah. So they are at all of our events, but they help with conventions and meetings and tell people, you know, here's where you go to get a ice cold beverage, cup of coffee, umbrella, CVS, you name it. Um, but really have always considered keeping downtown among the cleanest and safest downtowns in the country. And I do, I know we're not perfect, but I still sometimes am, am so proud of, I'll see something, if you report it on our app, our CSA app, and I'll go to be picking up lunch or meeting somebody. And when I come out, it's been addressed. That's, that's our standard of trying awesome. to be present downtown. Um, and then we've really grown from clean and safe daily operations to championing good planning for downtown. We have our 360 plan, and I can talk about that. How do we make what was this monoculture work destination a thriving urban downtown? Um, things like walkability, complete neighborhoods, and a real sense of place. We want people to know that when they're in downtown Dallas, they're not in Boston or they're mm -hmm. not in Houston even, you yeah. know, that we are special. Um, so we do a host of activities and we've worked with a lot of real estate developers. We're involved right now in planning the new convention center district, which I know y'all have probably closely monitored, um, but that's our biggest opportunity, right? We have this kind of dead yeah. quarter of the city and as locals, when would, when would you ever go, right? You're not going to go hang out there. Um, but that that's not always the case. And other cities like Boston or Nashville, they've turned their convention center into a real hub of other activity, you know, music scene, art scene, um, sports, what, what else can we infuse in that area to make it seven days a week um, is a huge opportunity for us. And then we have all these other mini districts in downtown that we've been very successful. So Farmer's Market, West End, Arts District. Now we, DDI, is working really hard on how do we connect them? How do we build that connective tissue? Yeah. We're, we're really excited about the opportunities around a streetcar, for example, to connect the McKinney Avenue trolley with the Oak Cliff line. Things like that will really start to tie us all together. Very cool. I know that you all do the state of downtown. And so I wonder, what is the state of downtown? How do you feel things are going there? feels like there's momentum, uh -huh. um, but, you know, we are a, a city of momentum. So uh, I, I really want to get your take on that. So I that, thank you. I actually do think there's really good momentum. I think the challenge is always harnessing it and mm -hmm. keeping your eye on the ball. So the mobility, when I started this job, and here I come from arts and museums, mobility. Okay. And they're just in downtown. There's streets and crosswalks, scooters. I-345, streetcar, DAR, you know, just parking, you know. So you say, okay, what are the most highly leveraged things that we can really champion and get done in our lifetime? You know, B2, I've been working on since, I don't know, 2011 or something. Um, so a little bit of it, I really do believe, is keeping our eye on the ball and trying to bring all of these stakeholders together to say, okay, 
what are the opportunities we're going to really try to capture? Um, the upcoming bond election is a huge one. Um, I think the people that came before me were like, by golly, we're going to finish the arts district. It has to be more than the Meyerson and the DMA. Let's finish it. Um, mad props to uh, Robert Deckard and the Parks for Downtown Dallas, now the Downtown Dallas Parks Conservancy, for finishing <laughs> our parks master plan. Do you know how many cities would have let a project like that languish on a shelf? Instead, they built five new parks, over 20 acres of green space. So for us, it's things like we've got to strike while the iron is hot and make sure this convention center is done right. Um, you know, the convention center kind of got an add-on every five to 10 years. And we know how that turned out. This is our like once in a generation chance for our generation to get this right, you know, at that scale and and really do the heavy lift. Um, so I believe that only the paranoid survive. <laughs> so I am constantly, um, <laughs> you know, where can we, where can we, where can this go sideways? Mm -hmm. I cannot control interest rates. There's things that are outside of downtown Dallas right. Inc.'s control, right? But by golly, we're going to do what we can when opportunities like the bond and the convention center present themselves. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about some of these other priorities. You know, we had done some work on scooters earlier. Yeah, super fun. Um, I think some of your team leaders came out and <laughs> rode some scooters. Uh -huh. uh, you, I was you, there. Yeah, you, you'd mentioned the bond um, mm -hmm. coming up. You know, what do you see on the horizon? You know, short term and long term. Well, um, my very first board meeting here was the what is DDI going to do on the uh, Proposition A, which was getting yeah. the convention center. And it didn't take long. And, and I had kind of been tangentially involved when I was at City Hall. That That is one that is so big. It it will dramatically change the face of Dallas. Yeah. And when you start to think about what it could do for housing and a real um, complete transformation, that's, that's not too, that's not too small of words um, for that section of the city is, is, it's huge. And it's going to take us the next five years. I mean, it's yeah. one of those, it's, it's also, it's not one of those you can say, oh yeah, we'll be done in a year. It's, it's huge. I think world cup is a big opportunity that falls kind of in the middle um, and then the city of Dallas is very dependent on our bond cycle and we can have a whole separate conversation <laughs> about that and whether that's a sustainable approach. Yeah. But that being said, the ability to kind of do a, a real infusion thoughtfully on projects in downtown that will unleash more development. Um, you know, we call, we call them catalytic developments. So for an example, AT&T Discovery District was a catalytic development. It changed the whole area. Several hotels now are going to be improved, um, things like that. The Field Street District for us is one of those, the ability to connect the Western end of downtown yeah. into Victory up to the new Goldman Sachs campus. You know, we are really targeting some of our focus around planning and working with city agencies on, okay, there's this dead spot here. We can do better than eight parking lots or whatever yeah. it is. Very cool. So how can our listeners find you? Um, how can they give more information? I know they want to be like us and get on the newsletter list because there's always so much mm -hmm. great information in those. So um, what's the best way for uh, the connection? Great question. Um, DowntownDallas.com, excuse me, is always the best way to get the information off of our website. You can, you know, subscribe. We are on social media. And then I tell anybody who's in downtown or if you have friends and family visiting to download our app, the CSA app. And what's really cool too, it's the same app that Dart uses and you can just change the channel 
to use an old, old analog term. <laughs> um, and really and truly, we want to know. We want to know if there's quality of life concerns, you know, um, graffiti, trash, you name it. Um, if there's an unruly person, you know, we want everyone to be able to kind of be in contact with us. We rely on that data because we can also look at it geographically to know where there's hotspots where we can, you know, shift our resources. So that's something a lot of people don't know about. Um, and then the other thing I always tell people is if you're in Dallas, make a day of it in downtown. Be a tourist in your own city. I can't tell you how many people just don't get down there enough. Jennifer, this has been so fun. Thank, Thank you, you for coming on. Thank you guys. We really appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan, that was great talking to Jennifer Scripps and definitely want to give a shout out to our guy, Scott Goldstein uh, at Downtown Dallas, Inc., our first guest who helped us secure uh, this, this wonderful conversation with Jennifer. Yeah, Scott, thank you. My former neighbor, you know, I'm never going to let you live it down moving out of the neighborhood, but this kind of part, you know, partially makes up for it. So um, it's really fun to have Scott uh, Scott join us as well. And big thanks to Jennifer again. Well, as we get ready to get out of here, um, definitely have to, I would be remiss as an Aggie if I did not mention that we have all come together. I think I may have donated 70 cents to the 70 plus million dollar buyout that was needed to move on from our head football coach. Yes. Jimbo yes. Jimbo Fisher, no longer uh at the helm of the Texas A&M Aggies fighting Texas Aggies football team Sean well we got four Aggies here in our office so this news is is pretty big for us I have no idea what what is next for our football program but as our athletic director said uh we were kind of stuck in neutral which is not great when you have one of the highest paid head coaches in football so um but Hey, speaking of Aggies, the Aggies will be the best Aggies men's basketball team is headed to town. Yeah, now they are, I believe your Aggies are ranked 15. 15 yeah, 15. Yeah, so they, they are, um, you know, it's shaping up to look like a good season for the Aggies, but they are storming into Moody Coliseum this week, Sean, uh, to take on my SMU Mustangs. Should be, I mean, two undefeated teams. Two so undefeated teams, yes. At one point over the weekend, SMU had played you know, I think they played three games in a row last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, of course, m- one of my favorite uh, tweets I saw was, hey, the only 3-0 team in the nation, <laughs> you know, early on Friday morning. <laughs> you got to get it while you can. You got to get it while you like can. like those first place Texas Rangers, you know, voicemails <laughs> that they used to have back in the day. That's right. Well, let's That's see right. how it goes, man. No, I- I'm not ready to put a wager on just yet. Too much, too much going on with – the Cowboys, you know, winning the Cowboy, the Aggies win by forty-one points and fire the coach on his day off. I mean, I, I'm not ready probably for a, a friendly wager at this point. <laughs> That's right, and uh, I think I'm, I think I've been told I need to move off the friendly wagers anyway. So, uh, <laughs> Touche. So pause those indefinitely, but uh, you know we, we'll have some 
uh, great guests coming up, Sean. You know, we're looking forward to having uh, Rick Hart, the AD, the athletic director at SMU, uh, coming up soon. And then be on the lookout. You know, there is a special, special anniversary of Deconstructing Dallas coming up soon, Sean. I mean, episode 100 is on the horizon, man. I'm, I'm just on the countdown. That's right. We, we are going to keep it 100, that's for sure. And with that, <laughs> and with that, thank you so much uh, to everyone for listening to Deconstructing Dallas. Thank you to our guest, Jennifer Scripps from Downtown Dallas, Inc. Thanks to Scott Goldstein for helping us to secure that interview. Thanks to our owners, Mary Willie, Jennifer Pascal, for everything you, that you do. Thank you to our entire Allen Media team, especially Deborah Meeks, who has really been helping keep us on schedule helping us to get these episodes pushed out if you are a listener who has you know hung in tight with us through almost 100 episodes if you want to do something for your friends sean and ryan to you know make us feel even better about what we're doing just go on to your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review give us five stars and also share it with your friends we had a wonderful october we're off to a really good november about to finish out this year strong as ryan mentioned we've got rick hart coming up and a very special 100th anniversary episode so stay tuned from right for ryan tremble I am Sean Williams, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios.